It is June the 10th, 2018. Just over a month, a new under-shepherd will be standing in this pulpit. Will be your pastor. We rejoice in that. Over the years, I have received phone calls from pastors. Many discouraged, many frustrated, many wondering what to do. And I have found the older I get, the more of those phone calls I'm getting. I'm not old. They just call. Ministry is one of those vocations that is incredibly challenging. And over the years, I've learned a a thing or two about ministry. I've learned a thing or two about people. I've learned a thing or two about my Lord. It's a beautiful relationship between a pastor and a congregation who are in stride together, serving the Lord together, seeking to glorify Christ together. It is my prayer and my desire that in the days, weeks, months, and the years that are ahead should the Lord tarry, that First Baptist Church of Mount Pleasant and its pastor would hit that stride and honor Christ in all that you do. In that process, I have discovered a number of things. You know, pastors are kind of like classic cars. I say classic cars because of my age. Pastor Molyneux, he's going to be like the sport coupe, right? He's younger. But I have discovered that there are some things that you need to do to maintain that vehicle. For instance, you do not, I repeat, you do not wait until the little dash light comes on and says check engine before you change the oil. You do that as a maintenance thing every now and again, depending on your vehicle. Some vehicles every 3,000 miles, some vehicles every 5,000 miles. Do you remember when it used to be every 10,000 miles? Goodness gracious. Pastors, they're like those vehicles. They need their oil changed every now and again. Maintenance needs to be done every now and again. You looked at your bulletin this morning, or at least I trust you did, and you've noticed that the title of my message is Taking Care of Your Pastor. Being in the unique position that I am, I can talk about these things without feeling awkward, without feeling like I am being self-serving. I can share with you from the pastor's perspective some of the things that, that you need to know in order to take care of your pastor. Now, please don't put that in a negative context. We're going to take care of the pastor. This is a positive thing, a very positive thing. 
And as I share these things with you this morning, I trust you understand that I'm sharing from the shepherd's heart. Things that have been learned, things that have been observed, and things that I've seen in the lives of other pastors, whether they were struggling or not. And there are essentially five areas of life that need to be addressed. And I need to lay a little bit of foundation here for you. And, and incidentally, if you would like a copy of these, me- of these notes that I'm going to be sharing with you, they are available to you, or they could be made available to you. Uh, I did get a copy to each of the deacons. I don't know if they've all gotten them yet or not, but uh, they've, they've got copies of these. Uh, this is intended to be just a simple framework to work from. It is not all-inclusive. There are other things that that may come to mind that your imagination can come up with that that would be of a great encouragement or great great asset to your pastor going forward. And one of the things that I've discovered is that uh, statistically, the average stay for a senior pastor, average stay is five years. And that's tragic. After five years, you're just hitting stride. There needs to be longevity in ministry. And one of the things that we've observed in terms of pastors who have had long ministries in a single church, many of these things are already happening to encourage him to help him along the way. Statistically, there are a lot of things that that are just absolutely negative and very sobering. I'm not going to share them all with you, but if you want a copy of the notes, you'll get a copy of this. But some of the things that that I highlighted here was 1,500 pastors leave the ministry every single month. 1,500 pastors. Now, this is across all denominational lines. I hope you understand that. 70% of pastors work more than 60 hours a week. 60 hours a week. When you understand what's involved in ministry, that is a lot of time. 80% of seminary and Bible school graduates who enter the ministry will leave the ministry within the first five years. 80% of pastors believe their ministry negatively affects their families. Think about that one. 50% of pastors' marriages will end in divorce. Oh my. 70% of pastors constantly fight depression. 90% of those entering ministry will not retire from ministry. 90% of them. And 100% of pastors have a dangerous enemy who is absolutely determined to destroy them and the people they lead. Namely, the devil. What are the issues that are facing pastors today? There are a lot of things. And just to give you a little taste... And all the names that I'm about to utter or share are names that are not represented here today. However, we do have a family that is visiting with us. Therefore, I will change that name. The Joneses, their marriage is imploding. The Smiths, they're here today, so we'll just change this one to the Johnsons. They have a son who is headed to rehab or jail. The Grissom's business is going under, or they've lost a job and the income. The Robinsons, their father is dying of aggressive cancer. The Hestons, mother dealing with alcoholism. The Reynolds, pornography is ripping that family apart. 
These are just a few of some of the things that, that come up in the course of an everyday week in ministry for pastors as they're dealing with families, as they're helping and encouraging and coming alongside during difficult, difficult days. When you're dealing with a congregation of 100 or you're dealing with a congregation of 300, the problems don't change. The problems are pretty much or predominantly the same. The names change, but issues continue to rear their ugly heads. The pastor, he's the one that gets called. He's the one who comes alongside. He's the one that that gives of his time and gives of his energy to try to be an encouragement, to help provide some direction, to pray with them, whatever the case may be. Now, please understand something. As a pastor, it's not just all of those negative things. There are very positive things that are happening in congregations, too. The birth of new babies. Praise the Lord for new life. The miracle of life. But I want you to understand, whether we're talking about negative stress or we're talking about positive stress, they're all stress. And they all take their toll. So I've broken this down, I think, into five areas that I I want you to understand and try to put into perspective. As far as emotional, material, spiritual, physical, and professional needs or encouragement. When it deals, when we deal with pastors, we're dealing with a human being. We're dealing with a person who puts his pants on one leg at a time, just like everybody else. I have shared it this way. We all have a tank, just like your car has a gas tank. We all have a tank. And that tank needs to be filled every now and again in order to move the vehicle down the road. Some vehicles can go farther than others on a gallon of gas. I've discovered that they put the size of a gas tank, or they determine the size of the gas tank based on how much mile, how many miles per gallon that vehicle can get so that all vehicles can get approximately the same distance, give or take a few miles. Well, people are the same way. We all have gas tanks. And we need to get them filled every now and again. Ideally, we're, we're having it being filled along the way, and it's kind of a trickle effect as it, as it fills up and it never runs out. But the reality is, we're using fuel, and it needs to be replenished. And in each of these areas, these five areas that I've mentioned, these are areas in which the fuel needs to be applied, where the tank needs to be filled. Now, I understand and I recognize that that not everyone is gifted in these areas of being able to be an encouragement or being able to come alongside, but there will be an area that each of you can. And the beauty of a congregation is that with with all of you working together and, and filling those tanks or filling his tank, he'll never run dry. He'll never run dry. He'll never hit that wall, so to speak. I've talked with a lot of pastors who have hit that proverbial wall. And they have nothing left to give. They're empty. 
there are a number of things that characterize that, and my time will not permit me this morning to go into all of those details. But understand this. Just like your car can't go another foot, your pastor won't be able to either. He's empty. And he needs your help. Now here's the thing. Don't ever let the tank run dry. Don't ever let the tank run dry. You ever try to push a car when it's out of gas? You know, if it's downhill, it's not all that bad. But I've discovered if you're pushing that car, even if you're pushing it downhill, when you get to the gas station, it's always up something to get to it. It's difficult. It's hard. And whether we're talking about the pastor, we're talking about one of you. When the tank runs dry, it's difficult getting going again. That's where we as a church family come in. And that's where we as God's people come in. So let me just share with you some of those thoughts as it relates to those five areas this morning. And hopefully it will be an encouragement to you. Hopefully it'll be something that you can, uh, you can participate in. Each of us need to. Let's talk about the emotional to start with. As I, as I was describing there in the beginning with all those different family names, we deal with a lot of issues. A lot of issues. And, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. And one of the things that, that often, com- that often, uh, uh, that ambushes us, and it ambushes a lot of caregivers, is something that's called compassion fatigue. Anybody ever heard of compassion fatigue before? Okay. It's one of those issues. It's one of those things where because we've been giving, because we've been participating and in, in, in helping people for such a lengthy period of time, the burden that that person had oftentimes gets taken upon our own shoulders and we begin to struggle with the same symptoms. We are fatigued by all of the things that are going on around us. I've, I've shared it with you before when I was talking about the qualifications of the pastor, that, uh, that the problems that, that our congregation have, the pastor takes on his shoulders. That's a part of being the under-shepherd. Let me, help, let me make sure I make this statement now in case I forget to make it later. As the under-shepherd, God empowers us. He does. To meet the needs of a congregation, regardless of what those needs are. But there are times, and it's usually our own fault, when we let the tank run dry. So what I'm doing here this morning is I'm enlisting your help to help your new pastor and be an encouragement for him. Compassion fatigue. One of those things that, that just simply happens to those that, that, that oftentimes uh, are, are caregivers to those who are in need. A couple of different verses that I came across as I, as I was studying for this particular message is this. One of them is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8 and following, where it says this, For we do not want you to be ignorant, brothers, interesting how God uses those words a number of different times, Paul does, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. I don't know if you've ever run across that passage before. But the Apostle Paul has gotten to a place in ministry where he despaired of life, where he thought that life was at its end. Yeah, he's been there. 
He goes on, he says in verse 9, Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. <coughs> Excuse me. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and we deliver, and, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that, we will, that he will deliver us again. You also must help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. So one of the things that emotionally that you and I can do to be of great encouragement to our pastor is to come alongside of him in prayer. Come alongside him in prayer and be sure to be one of those that tells him, hey, pastor, I'm praying for you. Send him a text, send him an email, send him a tweet or whatever it is you happen to do. And let him know I prayed for you today. It'll be a great encouragement to him. And understand that as he ministers, you may not know the challenges that he's facing today or this week, but God does. So take him to the throne and help him, encourage him, and pray for him. Secondly, what can we do besides prayer? How about sharing your stories? Share the stories of what God has done, the God sightings in your life this week. Share how he, the pastor, has blessed you. Send those notes of of encouragement, whether it happens to be a card or text or email. How about Pastor Appreciation Sunday? There are some churches that do that, some that are involved in that process. I'll tell you what, there are some that really, really need it, even though they may say they don't. Well, let me give you a biblical premise here. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 12 and 13, we ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. You see, God does want us to acknowledge the work that they do. Acknowledge their worth. Acknowledge their, 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 uh, uh, their presence, their blessing in your midst. Now, I, I treat this like I do uh, Mother's Day. <laughs> yes, we have a day in the course of the year that we acknowledge the moms. Great. Praise the Lord for that. But my, my admonishment is this. We need to do it every day. Don't we? Our moms are precious. With your pastor, take advantage of the fact that God has blessed you with him. Don't wait just for Pastor Appreciation Sunday. Let him know you appreciate him. Thank him. And by the way, that's more than just as you're going out the door. Great message this morning, Pastor. You know, when somebody says that, I'm I'm tempted to ask the question, what was point number three? Listen, be genuine. And encourage him. Encourage his hobbies. He needs to have hobbies. He needs to have things that he does outside of church. And in the process, don't forget his wife. Don't forget his kids. They're a part of the team. And they sometimes, and oftentimes, need to be encouraged as well. Uh, The missus. Sometimes she feels like she's a fifth wheel. Make her feel special. Like she's one that is very important, and she is. Emotionally, he needs to be encouraged. Materially, he needs to be encouraged. Materially. Now, this is one that that seems pretty obvious. But let me give you some thoughts here, biblically and and from a a pastor's perspective. There's the old proverbial deacon's prayer. You remember this one? O Lord, if thou will keep him humble, we will keep him poor. 
I want to shoot that deacon. (laughs) The good old days of taking care of the pastor with a parsonage and a chicken twice a week have passed. Today's church culture has moved into the 20th century, for which we are extremely grateful. Aren't you? I got news for you. We're not in the 20th century anymore. It's the 21st century. Historically, the church typically runs 10 to 20 years behind what's actually happening in the world. Did you know that? 10 to 20 years. Sometimes it's in their music. Sometimes it's in the technology. Sometimes it's just simply in the way they do things. Churches tend to run 10 to 20 years behind. Why is that? Because we don't like change. We don't like to change. Do we like to change? Well, let's be honest. Not really. But we do. I've told you this before. If we're not changing, then we're dead. Spiritually, if I'm not changing and growing in my relationship with Christ, I may as well go home to glory. I need to be changing. I need to change every day. Now, I'll be honest with you. I fight it every step of the way. And God comes along with that wet noodle and he smucks me upside the head every time. You're my child. Grow up. Grow in, my, in your relationship with me. In our taking care of our pastor, we need to make sure that we are up to, to the standards of, of the current day. That we're not, <clears throat> we're not living 50 years in the past. Now praise the Lord that, that uh, you folks are going to take care of Pastor Andy and his family. Praise God for that. Um, I was asked that question. Are we, are we doing sufficient? Are we doing what we need to do? And the answer to that is yes. For your situation, for where you're at, for the size of congregation you are and the community you are in, yes, you're doing a good job. Praise God, and you are to be commended for that. But there are other ways to be encouragement materially. When you send that card, how about putting a gift card in there? Whether it happens to be the gas station or happens to be the local restaurant or McDonald's or whatever it happens to be. Notice I differentiate between McDonald's and a restaurant. Those are two different things. Yeah, drop a little card in there. And maybe, maybe you happen to have a timeshare and you could send them for a week someplace. Take advantage of those opportunities to be of encouragement to your pastor. How about babysitting the kids? Well, I, they do have some teenagers, don't they? Well, let's say the teenagers are gone on a retreat and then the, the little ones are left. How about watching the kids so that mom and dad can go out? They're going to use that little gift card to McDonald's. Sorry. So you let them get out. Let them enjoy a weekend. Something material, something tangible, something that would be a great encouragement to them. And again, this is an area in which you are just limited by your imagination in what you can and cannot do. The financial part of it, the, the gifting part of it, uh, all of that are a part of that process of materially encouraging your pastor and taking care of your pastor. How about spiritual? Spiritually, let me ask the question, who shepherds the under-shepherd? Who shepherds the under-shepherd? You come to church and and you are fed spiritually, whether that's in our Sunday school class or during the morning worship, you are being fed spiritually. Well, who feeds the under-shepherd? Somebody needs to. 
One of the statistics that I ran across was the fact that most pastors, many pastors, (coughs) if I remember right, 70% of pastors, uh, when they're studying the Word of God, it's for message preparation or or Bible studies or or Sunday school. That more often than not, they're not studying it for their self, for their own spiritual edification. That's tragic. By the way, there's a great deal here that I share with pastors as well. How about, uh, how about uh, uh, the resources that are available or should be available to your pastor? The peers, other pastors, the ability to get together and commiserate or celebrate or, or just simply talk about professional things or spiritual things, which should be the same. How about conferences? Conferences, going to a conference where somebody else is preaching, somebody else is teaching, and somebody else is nurturing. Lake Ann has a particular retreat, um, Gloves Off, I think is what it's called. Gloves Off for pastors, church leaders. It's, it's, I've, I've attended it myself. It's, an, it's a, a particular uh, couple of days, two or three days, in which you are being challenged to think outside the box as far as ministry is concerned. These are all things that, that are tools that can be used to be great encouragement spiritually for your pastor, whether it be retreats, books, recommending books, or buying him the book and leaving it on his desk anonymously. Oh, be careful with that one. Goodness gracious, you could be buying him a book that's a really good book, but it happens to be one that he might interpret as, am I not doing that? Now, buy him a book and give it to him face to face. Let them hate. I found this to be a great encouragement. Maybe you will too. I already mentioned praying for him, and there's going to be overlap in these different areas as well. Uh, Encourage his participation in missions. Maybe on a mission trip someplace. Encourage his participation. It broadens horizons and helps them to see outside the box of just Mount Pleasant. Embrace his giftedness. Embrace his giftedness. I do hope you understand that Pastor Andy is not going to be gifted in every single area of church ministry. We're not. You know, you're not gifted in every area either. So here's the thing. Pastors, the good ones, recognize that. They understand that. And they're doing two things. Number one... They're surrounding themselves with people who are gifted in those areas in which they are not. And number two, they're working on those areas. Now, maybe they'll never be very proficient in that. That's fine. That's not how God built him. Pastor Andy is coming here to be the the under-shepherd of First Baptist Church of Mount Pleasant, and he is gifted by God to accomplish what it is that God's bringing him here to do. Don't expect him to do what God doesn't expect him to do. Now you're sitting there wondering, okay, what's that? I don't know. But you'll figure that out as you move forward with him. As you, as you, as you gain the vision of what it is that God has him here for. Encourage him and help him along that way. Maybe you are going to be one of those people who are gifted in an area he is not. Step up. And help out. 
encourages participation in agencies or boards, councils. I'm thinking of uh, mission boards or the, the Michigan Association of Regular Baptist Churches, uh, the Central Michigan Association, so on and so forth. Encourage his participation. I know, I, I believe he's been involved in the Ohio Association down in Ohio. That is a foreign country, by the way, in a mission field. But now he's coming to God's country up here in Michigan. And, and up here, we do have a vibrant ministry in the Michigan Association. I, I know, I've been a part of it. And it is a great encouragement. The other pastors getting together and sharing with one another and, and being the iron that sharpens iron. Encourage his participation. And help him get there if that is what's needed as well. Last thing I put, not the last thing I put there, but one of the things I put here is the fact that remember who he works for. Remember who the pastor works for. He doesn't work for you. He works for God. That's his boss. And and sometimes pastors take their eyes off of that and they forget that. And they end up in, in a situation where they're like the ping pong ball. They're getting batted all over the place in a congregation, in a church. That's not ministry. Ministry is being the under-shepherd, the one God has called, the one that God has appointed, the one that God has enabled to accomplish God's purpose and God's plan for this congregation. That's where his eyes need to be. That's who he works for. Remember that. I say that very positively and very lovingly. Otherwise, he's going to spend all this time trying to please everybody sitting in the pews. And you cannot do that. It just doesn't work. Okay, let me talk about a couple things here in relationship of what not to do. What not to do. Don't bring critiques to the pastor on Sunday morning. Now, can I camp here for just a second? Do not, I repeat, do not... Bring a criticism of some sort to the pastor before the morning message. You're going to distract him from what it is God has him here for. He's going to start, I'll just talk for myself. We start thinking about how to fix it. Instead of, God, what do you want me to say this morning? Don't bring the critiques then. I'm not saying don't bring a critique, but don't bring it before the morning message. Is this being recorded? I hope so. Don't bring it before the morning message. Secondly, if you do have a critique, talk to the pastor directly. Talk to the pastor directly. You know, one of the things that that just torques me is when so-and-so goes to talk to so-and-so and said, Did you know? You know, the Bible does talk about gossip and backbiting. And he, and he talks about it in a sense, well, I'm just praying. I want them to pray for the need. Horse feathers. There's that spiritual word. You have a problem with the pastor, go talk to the pastor. And let me say it this way, folks. Boy, I wish I could remember the quote. I just saw it. Something about Facebook. Please do not go on to Facebook, to Twitter, to Whatever else is out there and will be out there in the future, don't get on there and just critique the church or critique the pastor. That is so wrong in so many ways. You know what it does? 
it, it paints the person who's, who's typing this thing up or writing this thing up, it paints that person in a negative light. It paints the pastor in a negative light. It paints the church in a negative light. But guess what? It paints Christ in a negative light. We bring shame to all of those people when we do stupid things like that. Somebody said we ought to engage brain before getting on Facebook. I agree. I agree. Be careful. If you have something to say to me or to another pastor, go talk to them directly. I promise you, I'm not going to rip your head off. I promise. And I'm getting to know Pastor Andy. I don't think he will either. We genuinely love our people. We want to help. Did I say that strong enough? Let me, let me rephrase it this way. I'll be done here, but I can come back. <laughs> oh, by the way, I will be telling Pastor Andy that if he needs me, call me. Marines know how to get in and get out without being seen. Now, there's a biblical precedent for what I'm saying here, and that's in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 14 through 17, where Paul talks about Alexander the coppersmith. Take the time to read it. Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 16, Not that I have already obtained it, or I have already become perfect, but I press on in order that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Lest therefore as many as are perfect have this attitude, and if in in anything you have a different attitude, God will reveal that also to you. However, let us keep living by that same standard to which we have attained. Hmm. Physical. I'm running out of time, so let me give these to you. (coughs) Physical needs. Hmm. In 2 Thessalonians, Paul said this, But as for you, brethren... Do not grow weary in doing good. Do not grow weary in doing good. I've talked to too many pastors who are telling me that they're burned out. That they've been working so hard that that, that they just have no more to give. Their tank has run dry. Herein is, is the issue, and this is from my perspective, having been there. It's our own fault. Because God told us not to do this. It's right there. Do not grow weary in well-doing. The implication is, then you need to be doing what you need to do to make sure that the tanks stay filled, or at least sufficient, so that you can do the job. So as far as the physical is concerned, we have a responsibility, us as pastors, and then you as a congregation as well. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3 makes that clear. What can we do? Make sure he has a time off. Make sure he has a time off. Make sure he takes a day off during the week. One of his choosing. One that works for him. Make sure he gets that day off. Make sure there's vacation time. The deacons are doing that. They're making sure that he has uh, what I would consider the minimum time that he needs for vacation. Let me tell you something, folks. For me, it took at least one week to start to unwind. You know how you get... Your, your gut just gets all tied up in knots and it's tight. 
It took me a week before that began to... to oh, one week. And churches, oftentimes, are only given two weeks of vacation time. Now, is that a vacation? I don't think so. Take care of your pastor. Give him the time off he needs to be effective in ministry. Cover the pulpit supply while he's gone. Possibility of sabbaticals in the future where there may be a need there that, that's educational or vocational of some sort. Be conscious of the dangers of workaholism. Guard his time off. Guard his time off. Ladies and gentlemen, procrastination on your part does not constitute an emergency on my part. Quote me on that one, will you? Procrastination on somebody else's part is not an emergency on my part. On a day off, you need that, on his day off, make sure that it is genuinely an emergency. Don't call him up on his day off and say, oh pastor, can you come get the cat out of my tree? If you call me to come get the cat out of your tree, I'm bringing my chainsaw. Okay? Know what an emergency is. We do want to be called if there is a genuine emergency. Honestly, we do. We really do. The, the, the makeup of who we are as pastors, we want to be there. And we need to be there. So do call if it's an emergency. But make sure he takes his day off. People who struggle with workaholism are working seven days a week straight, week after week after week. Can't do that and be effective in ministry. Biblical premise. Uh, let's see here, Isaiah 40, chapter, chapter 40, verse 31. You know this verse. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. How do they do that? How do they do that? I found this one particular encouragement. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8. But bodily exercise profits little. <laughs> there it is. Oh, wait a minute, i got to read the rest of the verse. But godliness is profitable for all things, having, promise, having the promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. Paul is not saying there that we shouldn't exercise. But he is telling us, hey, listen, there's a higher priority here in godliness. But you do need to take care of the body. Remember that it's the temple of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 6. Professionally, I've already mentioned some of these things in terms of conferences, retreats, books, library, continuing education, participation in other things outside of the church professionally. How about taking some days for a mission conference or a Bible conference or something? Pastor's here, but he doesn't have to preach. Quick point, quick thing to give you here right in conjunction with this. They have evaluated public speakers in terms of what kind of a, of, a, of a workload is it to be a public speaker. They've determined that for every 30 minutes, for every 30 minutes of public speaking, it's the equivalent of six hours of working in the office. 30 minutes of public speaking and six hours in the office. Now that does not include the preparation time to speak for those 30 minutes. So when you talk about a pastor only working part of the day on Sunday... He did work six hours, didn't he? 
It is an emotional load. And it is a physical load. You know, I hate it when I run out of time and I've still got lots of material to share with you. Get the notes. Get the notes. It'll fill in some of these blanks. But I need to, one more thing I want to give you before I quit, and that is this. Protect your pastor's reputation. Protect your pastor's reputation. Be a bulldog where this is concerned. I had a German shepherd, and he was a pussycat. I literally, he was a pussycat. His name was Gunny, for obvious reasons. He looked like a German shepherd. He had the, you know, he, he, he engendered that, that appearance of the German shepherd, where people, like the UPS guy would be dropping off a box, he would ask, can I come down? I mean, it was that kind of appearance. But Gunny was a pussycat. He wasn't, he wouldn't bother that UPS driver for nothing. He'd come down off of there and he'd get licked to death. That was Gunny. But when there was a threat, my wife went to the door. Our doorbell went off at 5 o'clock in the morning once. My wife went to the door. She thought one of our kids had locked themselves out. She went to the door. She opened the, the main door, and then she was looking through the storm door, and she saw somebody out in the driveway. Both our vehicles were parked in the driveway. She looked out there, and she thought it might be our eldest. And then she started to open the door, and then she recognized that it was not. And guess who was standing right there next to my wife? Gunny. Pussycat dog. That dog sensed what was going through my wife's emotions. And according to my wife, his hair stood up. And my wife... Bless her heart. She is so gentle. She's with our granddaughter today, by the way. She's standing there. The storm door is almost all the way open, and she goes, Get him! (laughs) And Gunny, pussycat dog! Whoosh! the, The next day, or when it was daylight, this guy had gone through our vehicles, and I never carry change on me. I, I had it all in the, 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 uh, the, in the truck. That guy had filled his pockets with my change from all my vehicles. When I went out there the next day, there was change all the way down the driveway <laughs> as that dog chased him out the, the end of the driveway. And we had been training Gunny to stop at the end of the driveway on the one time that I wish he would have gone past. He stopped. I have no idea what happened to that guy. But folks, you need to be gunny with the reputation of your pastor. Why do I say that? Because in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 19, it says, Do not admit a charge against an elder except on the evidence of two or three witnesses. You see, idle talk, gossip, uh, maligning of the individual will always, always be wrong. And when you hear others telling those kinds of stories and telling those kinds of things, your job is to be gunny. Let the bristles in the back of your neck go up. Let a little growl come out of your chest. I guarantee you, when you do that, that other person is going to back down. Because lies are always lies. 
Half-truths are always half-truths. Gossip is always gossip. Don't talk about him behind his back. Encourage him. And when others do, take him down. You have a job. Take care of your pastor. In all of these areas, step up. Make a difference. I promise you, you do these things and the other things that are going to come to your mind, you do those things and your pastor will be here for a very, very long time until God's done with him. And he will break his back to meet your needs. By the way, when he does break his back doing that, somebody needs to come alongside and help him. Be an encouragement to him. Help him out. Make a difference. You know who will be honored by that? God. Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one that will receive the glory. He's the one that will be honored. And he is the one who will bless this church, its ministries, moving forward. So my question to you this morning, my challenge to you this morning is simply this. What can you do? What can you do? Help him. Come alongside him. Stand behind him. And make a difference for eternity. Father, thank you for our time together this morning. And thank you for these dear folks. I pray, Lord, that you will take the things that have been shared here. All very practical, very real things that are part of the life of the church. Father, that you would impact our thinking and our practice, that we would be a people who would go out of our way to encourage, to help, to uplift, to love the man that you have prepared and have placed as the under-shepherd of this congregation. God, may that be our desire, we pray. And if you mean it this morning, if you've been challenged by it, say amen.